He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Where to start tonight? Where to start? Where to start? It's been too many days since I spoke to you folks. I know I've been writing at brianlilly.com. I know I've been updating there and giving you the details on so much, but I haven't been talking. I haven't been speaking. I haven't been on doing the Facebook Live videos. I, I just, and I have so much to say. Like, could we start with the fact that the, the government gave a foreign family, not a company, a foreign family, $41 million to buy a Bombardier jet, and now they can't find the jet and the family's no longer paying. The Gupta family of South Africa, a family that was mobbed up with the, the government that was just thrown out, which has been replaced by a government that is also horrible. Maybe we'll talk about that at some point. But we gave $41 million. They still own $27 million, and we don't know where the plane is. We don't know where the family is. And we don't know where our money is. Could spend a long time talking about that. Could spend a long time talking to you about how the former, the former national security advisor to both Stephen Harper and Justin Trudeau says this idea that uh, India is out to get Justin Trudeau simply isn't true. Dick Fadden, appearing on The Evan Solomon Show, was asked, about the India conspiracy that India tried to set up Justin Trudeau by having the the former terrorist, the would-be assassin, Jaspal Atwal, at his event. And here's what Fadden said. This should not have happened. Uh, I think it probably happened because there is a lack of uh, clarity in who did Okay, hold on, Ron Clip. This is the one I wanted. If it were true, it would be very serious indeed, which is why I think it's probably not true, uh, because I still don't see the advantage to India of their doing this. Uh, when did I start telling you that? Almost two weeks ago now. I know my 15-year-old daughter thinks I sound like an arrogant jerk when I say, you can listen to me now or catch up later. But when did I... I started telling you about this the day the story came out. And others were hemming and hawing and, oh, I don't know, and tiptoeing. You've got the former national security advisor saying, yeah, don't believe this. Don't believe this. But let me start somewhere else tonight. Let's start with the file that Justin Trudeau has once again shown that he doesn't know how to handle. The fact that when it comes to trade, Justin Trudeau is just kind of out to lunch, as he showed last week in Barrie, Ontario. These tariffs were to, to proceed. What are you being told about that? What would the impact be? Well, obviously, uh, the level of integration of the Canadian and American uh, steel and aluminum industries uh, are well understood. Uh, ingots produced, uh, uh, aluminum ingots produced in Canada are used uh, by American manufacturers to, uh, uh, in a broad range of things. Uh, we uh, import things. Uh, more steel uh, than the Americans uh, uh, ex- uh, import. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, we uh, have a significant trade surplus. Uh, the Americans have a tr- significant trade surplus with us on steel, uh, which, mean, which means uh, we buy steel from them. They uh, buy uh, steel okay, from let's us. cut that there because it goes on and on and on, and it's a true disaster. 
It's a true disaster. It really is. I know that everyone can lose their their place now and again. I talk for a living. I know it happens, but this guy does it every time he doesn't have a script in front of him. Every time he's not being told by Jerry Butts what to say, and it's not a wee day kind of motivational speech, he loses it. He did the same thing when asked about the Aga Khan, if you remember. So the Americans are targeting Canada. That's something that they made clear on the weekend. All their top officials, Peter Navarro out on CNN. I posted about that on brianlilly.com on Sunday morning. Wilbur Ross out on some of the other talk shows, including Good Morning America. Or, uh, sorry, uh, what's the Good Morning America one? Um, This week with George Stephanopoulos. Asked about all of this, and what did Wilbur Ross have to say? Are there going to be any country exemptions? No. Well, I know he's had conversations with a number of the world leaders. The decision obviously is his. But as of the moment, as far as I know, he's talking about a fairly broad brush. So no exemptions? As I say, I have not heard him describe particular exemptions just yet. So that's Sunday. Today, in Washington, D.C., President Donald Trump asked about NAFTA. Canada, Mexico, and these tariffs. An Oval Office meeting with the Israeli Prime Minister Trump told reporters that Canada and Mexico could score an exemption if they're willing to renegotiate NAFTA in a way that's more favorable to the U.S. So we'll see what happens. But right now, 100 percent, but it could be a part of NAFTA. And I understand I just got a call from the people who are right now in Mexico City negotiating NAFTA. Mexico and really Canada want to talk about it. But uh, if they aren't going to make a fair NAFTA deal, we're just going to leave it this way. All right. Do you expect that Justin Trudeau is going to come up with a fair NAFTA deal? Do you think that Justin Trudeau will be able to pull this one out? Let's look at the the record. They had both the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the Canada-European Trade Agreement handed to them. They were completed by Stephen Harper. He just about botched the European trade agreement, trying to make it more progressive. I mean, you're negotiating with a bunch of socialist European countries. What are you worried about? He just about botched that. Christopher Freeland had to stomp and cry and walk out of talks because the Walloons of Belgium opposed something. They finally got that together. They may have botched TPP. We're going to have to wait for the details to come out on that because he angered the Japanese. He angered all the other countries around there when he walked out ahead of a signing ceremony that they'd all agreed to. So you've got our biggest trading partners in Asia annoyed with us, and then he tries to force this other, uh, again, progressive trade agenda onto them. Sometimes they're ahead of us, Justin. Don't worry about it. But, hey, he botched that. He tried to fix it. The details still being hammered out. They may end up being worse than the original deal. He botched the China trade trip. He has botched the American trade arrangement. He botched India last week. This guy is a walking disaster, period. And now we've got these these tariffs coming at us. And what's the American complaint? Why is Canada not being exempted? It's something called transshipment. And we'll talk to Carlo Day, a trade expert from the Canada West Foundation, in about 20 minutes' time, just after the 7.30 news. The Americans claim that Canada and other countries allow the Chinese to dump cheap steel 
into our markets and then we do minimal processing of it and sell it to the Americans as Canadian steel. Turns out we import about $5.6 billion a year of Chinese steel, almost as much as we import from the Americans, almost as much as we sell to the Americans. So what are we doing with it? Turns out that in some cases we are selling cheap Chinese steel, which we complain about as well. And we don't have clean hands on this. We impose tariffs on products that we don't like. Did you know that we imposed 270% tariff on American drywall to protect a plant in, I think it was Mississauga, it was southern Ontario? Did you know about that? Did you know that we have all kinds of tariffs? Tariffs on coffee, tea, spices. uh, Tariffs on meat. Obviously, we've got dairy imports severely restricted to protect supply management. So these guys are saying we can't have tariffs while we impose tariffs. They're saying that this is unacceptable while we do it even to the Americans. And when it comes to India, Trudeau's response to India. Again, this is something that I I posted about at brianlilly.com. When asked about the chickpea tariff, And the other tariffs imposed by India on our agricultural products, Justin Trudeau and his ministers have repeatedly said, this is a domestic issue for India. This is about raising incomes in India. This is about helping Indian farmers and workers. What is, what's Donald Trump saying? Whether you agree with the tariffs or don't, and I don't, but whether you agree with them or not, Donald Trump is saying the same thing. He is saying he is bringing in these tariffs to protect American workers, to help American workers and American companies and raise wages, all the things India is saying about their tariffs on our agricultural policies or uh, products. But it's okay for India to impose those tariffs on us, but not the United States. Do you get it? Do you understand? Because I don't. Maybe I'm not wearing the right garb. You know, I've got a shirt with uh, its you know, blue check and buttons. And if I put on some of Justin Trudeau's outfits, maybe I would understand. I'd be enlightened and say namaste and all of that. And then I would be fine. But I think he's just talking out of both sides of his mouth. I don't think he actually understands trade. I don't think he gets what's going on. And I think that, as the conservative said in the last election, he's in over his head. And it's being proven once again. We'll get into this a little bit more. Also on the show tonight, did you know that the the so-called liberal senator, I mean, the so-called independent senators that Justin Trudeau appointed are blocking? They're blocking the ability to stop foreign money from coming into our elections. You've got to stick around until just after 8 o'clock for that. So coming up at the top of the hour, Senator Linda Frum has had a bill on uh, the order paper for ages now trying to say you can't have foreign money because there's a loophole. She wants to close it. And the independent senators that vote with Trudeau's government more than the liberal senators do, they're blocking it. So we'll talk about that. I'll check in with my old friend Ray Hurd, longtime liberal, longtime media guy, about how badly Trudeau's doing. We've got some great local stories, including the fight around the Byward Market. One restaurateur from Vittoria Trattoria saying, enough is enough. You're killing the jewel of the nation's capital. We've got to stop it. 
All that and so much more tonight on Beyond the News. If you're watching on Facebook Live, join us for the rest of the show. You can listen live at CFRA.com, where you can download the iHeartRadio app. It's always free. Apple or Android, download it today. You can listen to B-Lil now or catch up with everyone else next week. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Brian Lilly's Five Things You Need to Know. Story number one that you need to know is the fact that <clears throat> what I've been telling you for some time, well, more and more people are saying it. Justin Trudeau has been trying to blame his bad trip to India on the Indian government and a liberal MP at the same time. Well, today, his former national security advisor, Richard Fadden, was on the Evan Solomon Show and was asked about this idea that India was behind a conspiracy. If it were true, it would be very serious indeed, which is why I think it's probably not true, uh, because I still don't see the advantage to India of their doing this. Neither do I, neither does anybody else that isn't buying liberal talking points, which is all they are at this point. Story number two that you need to know. It has to do with the tariffs being imposed by the United States because apparently thousands and thousands of jobs, perhaps tens of thousands, could be at stake. What's going on? Donald Trump saying that they would bring in tariffs of 10 percent on aluminum, 25 percent on steel. So uh, posted at BrianLilly.com over the weekend. The reason Justin Trudeau is jumping up and down about this, you just have to look at where the aluminum industry is concentrated, and that would be Quebec. And you realize why he's more excited about that than any tariffs that affect Western Canada or flyover country, as he would call it. Nonetheless, President Donald Trump today saying we're not backing down. He was having an Oval Office meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, and Trump tied the tariffs into the NAFTA renegotiations currently happening in Mexico right now. We are renegotiating NAFTA, as I said I would. And if we don't make a deal, I'll terminate NAFTA. But if I do make a deal, which is fair to the workers and to the American people, uh, that would be, I would imagine, one of the points that we'll negotiate. It will be tariffs on steel for Canada and for Mexico. So going to be fascinating to watch how that uh, breaks out. We have had these sort of things before. 2002, uh, George W. Bush authorized tariffs of 30% on Canadian steel entering the American market. Uh, this is not new. As I said, we imposed 270% tariffs on American drywall just last year in the middle of Fort McMurray rebuilding. But hey, who's counting? These sorts of things happen. Trade spats happen. Normally, the Prime Minister of Canada is able to call up and at least have a conversation, try and get things shut down with the U.S. president. That's not happening here. Meanwhile, the U.S. president, story number three, the U.S. president could be facing increased pressure from the Mother Mueller investigation, which so far has charged people with fraud unrelated to the campaign, charged them with lying to the FBI about something that wasn't a crime, and indicted 13 Russians in matters not related to the Trump campaign. So Mueller is still looking for something big. 
Well, former Trump advisor Sam Nunberg dropped what people are calling a political bombshell today. He says President Trump may have done something wrong, which special counsel Robert Mueller may be looking into. Nunberg had been called to appear before the special counsel's grand jury, but this afternoon told MSNBC he was not going to. I'm not going to cooperate. What do I have to spend 80 hours going over my emails? Nunberg was a longtime advisor to Trump's businesses, but he was fired during the early days of Trump's presidential campaign. Trump later sued Nunberg for leaking confidential information about the campaign to the media. The suit was settled. So is there something in those emails? We'll have to wait and see. Story number four, huge, huge local story and important to me. And we'll speak to a local restaurateur about this later on. The petition that is focused on the byword market, saying that the politicians have to clean something up, blaming three shelters, calling them a cancer. Well, the three shelters responded today. The Shepherds of Good Hope, the Salvation Army, and the Ottawa Mission. Peter Tilly, executive director of the Ottawa Mission, reading out their united stand. Disgraceful, probably the right word, because to refer to uh, the shelters and the good work we do and the clients uh, that we serve and the community work we do as a cancer, uh, very wrong. Uh, Very poor choice of words. Uh, Certainly we're far beyond that. We're uh, helping people. We're getting people off the streets, actually, not putting them on the streets and helping people uh, succeed for the long haul by treating addictions and mental health issues. Known Peter Tilly a long time, uh, like him, respect his work, but there is a problem. And it's not him, and it's not the union mission. A little bit, I would say, would go to the other two shelters. We'll talk about that later on. But there is a problem in this area that, if left unchecked, will turn one of the crown jewels of the nation's capital into a blight. And so the mayor and council have to get on it and not just pretend this is not an issue. And story number five out of Toronto, a seventh victim for the uh, alleged serial killer, Bruce MacArthur. Today, Detective Sergeant Hank Zingia released a postmortem photograph of a man police believe is another of MacArthur's victims. We have utilized numerous investigative techniques to identify this individual and so far have been unsuccessful. We have also shown the picture to numerous contacts within the community and have been unsuccessful. I do not want to release this picture, and I'm doing so as a last resort. They're trying to identify the person in it. The police are being blasted over this. Uh, Insignia says the latest remains were found again in a planter at the same house where six other sets of remains were found and where MacArthur did landscaping work. Truly, truly horrid. My name's Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Coming up just after 7.30, we're going to talk to Carlo Dade from the Canada West Foundation about what's going on in this trade war and how worried we actually need to be. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. So we'll see what happens. But right now, 100%. But it could be a part of NAFTA. And I understand I just got a call from the people who are right now in Mexico City negotiating NAFTA. 
Mexico, and really Canada want to talk about it. But uh, if they aren't going to make a fair NAFTA deal, we're just going to leave it this way. And talk about it, Canada has. Just moving across the wires moments ago, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau called U.S. President Donald Trump today about the tariff threat. He uh, he told the uh, the president that, uh, you know what, we want to wrap up an after deal too, but this tariff threat isn't happening, according to sources cited by Canadian press. The call was cordial, but didn't settle the tariff issue. Um, this is is a mess. There's no other way to put it. It is a mess. To help us sort it out, Carlo Dade, trade guru with the Canada West Foundation, joins us on the line from Calgary and. Uh, Carla, you've been watching this for a long time. You've been watching trade. So you remember that this is not the first time that a U.S. president has done this. 2002 was 30% tariff, this time on steel. It's just just 25% this time. Uh, So is that an improvement? Uh, Absolutely not, Brian. You know, the previous time you referenced President Bush in the run-up to the 2002 midterm elections, President Bush and his administration announced tariffs early in March with the run-up to U.S. midterms that fall. The major difference last time was that uh, there were partial economic reasons for doing it, Uh, The Americans were suffering a surge of steel, but the idea was pushed in the Bush administration by Karl Rove. Now, I'm sure you and all your listeners remember the name Karl Rove. He was not an economic advisor. He was a political, let's win the next election. And and he still shows up on American TV, and what he's known for is being able to, on the back of an envelope, map out who wins whatever district they throw at him. Because that's that's what he does. And and so 2002 was all about politics, wasn't it? it well, that's what the analysis now, in, in hindsight, and what one would think. The Americans didn't raise that much of a complaint when they went, when this was taken to the World Trade Organization. The, the analysis nowadays is that this was a political ploy. But it at least, it was a bad idea that at least was well thought out. They announced it. You actually had text on the tariffs. Uh, they had already thought through which countries would be exempt. In addition to Canada and Mexico, countries like Argentina were also exempt. So there had been some thought to this. What happened with the announcement last week was uh, President Trump went into this announcement with his chief of staff, the head of the Council of Economic Advisors, and most of the administration convinced that the battle had been settled and that they were not, there was not to be any announcement of tariffs. You can see the look on everyone's face when Bush, uh, Trump turns around and says, you know, we are going to uh, uh, announce tariffs. There was shock. What happened? He but, but, made it yeah, up on the spot. And I understand that, but he also had happy executives because I watched uh, pretty much the whole thing. He had uh, David Burrett from uh, U- U.S. Steel, the biggest manufacturer down there. He had aluminum uh CEOs with them, and they were singing praises of it. What I heard was after the fact, they thought, well, if there's going to be tariffs, it'll be one type. And he went in another direction and and said, let's whack everyone. Let's talk about why they're going to whack everyone instead of everyone agrees Chinese steel exports are a sham, that they they don't follow trade rules, they overproduce, they subsidize, and then they it's called dumping is the the technical trade term, I believe, isn't it? 
Correct. So there, there are a range of things that they do, but yes, you wouldn't be incorrect to say to, to say dumping to, to cover a lot well, of the Growing up in a steel family, I always heard about Chinese steel being dumped into our market, and Canadians have long complained about that as well. My understanding is that the Americans won't exempt us or the Mexicans or anybody else because they believe that the Chinese are dumping steel into our markets, and then it's called transshipment where, all right, we send it to a stamping plant, we do minimal work on it, and then sell it to the Americans as Canadian steel. Is that actually going on? You know, I haven't looked into this, but um, I, I do know that we pull in over $5 billion of uh, steel from China. We export to China in terms of steel and steel products. So this is a broad category. Uh, when you're talking trade, you know, you, I'm not going down to the eight-digit code, code classification. I'm going to the big classification that covers steel, iron, aluminum, things made out of steel. and So in that category... You know, we pull in about uh, five, over five billion, and we send about a billion to China. So the next step is, where does that steel go when it hits here? Is it absorbed into the Canadian product to make products that stay in Canada, or is it taken by Canadian manufacturers to then ship goods um, to the U.S. using cheap Chinese steel? And that's something that we're going to have to unravel. But even if that is the case. This isn't what the Americans are really complaining about. Yes, they are saying the transshipments are an issue, but the mechanism they're using to go after it is something called Section 232 of the 1962 or 64 Trade Act. This is hugely important because for the first time, the Americans are saying this is a threat to U.S. national security. That's not what President Bush did. President Bush used the standard, well, we're suffering a surge of imports. It's a negative impact on the economy. Trump is saying this is a direct threat to U.S. national security. So could, how could do you that... get steel from going through Canada from China being a national security threat? That gets really tenuous. I'd love to see how they make that argument. Well, I know that when it comes to national security, they don't. They try not to have Chinese parts, say, in the F-35 fighter jet as much as possible because they see, and rightly, they see China as a potential adversary down the road. But steel, steel, I, I don't know how that becomes problematic. But does that is that a potential loophole for Canada? The national security argument, if we're able to say. Wait a minute, we're NATO partners. We are part of NORAD, the joint air defense. You know, we're not a problem. We sell into all parts of your national security apparatus. Exactly. I think the Americans are going to have a tough time making that case. So Japan is also yelling and screaming that they should not be taken under national security considerations. And if Japan feels confident enough to make that their leading argument, well, then you'd think certainly um, Canada has a much, much stronger case. We are also you know, a recognized part of the U.S. military-industrial complex, we can integrate with U.S. manufacturers for high-tech and sophisticated military equipment in a way that uh, not many other countries can. And, you know, your bit about NORAD, absolutely. We were in charge of U.S. airspace during September the 11th. It was a Canadian general in NORAD in Colorado who was in charge of U.S. airspace. So how do you get us? 
as a security threat. I would also well, notice... Well, London, Ontario, they, the same place that builds the, the light-armored vehicles that everyone's complaining get sold to the Saudis, well, we sell them to the Americans. We we make parts for their fighter jets. We we make all kinds of military equipment for them. It's It's a specious argument, but it's one that they're going to make and we'll have to deal with the fallout. In the past, prime ministers have often been able to call up and, and try and massage these things. Gretchen and uh, Clinton, uh, Mulroney and Reagan. This is different, I think, because this doesn't originate in Congress. There's no congressman to point to. I know you say that um, with Bush and Rove in 2002, it was it was them. But I remember an Ohio congressman being the yeah. voice for it and pushing it. There's none of that. This is coming from the president, and and I don't think our prime minister has the ability, the way past prime ministers have had with their presidents, to be able to call up and say, hey, this is a problem, fix it. I know Trudeau tried tonight, but I, I don't know that that relationship is there. As much as any leader on the globe has it, Trudeau probably does. So, you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, with any of these, you have some advocates in Congress for them, the districts that will benefit, and the wider districts that, that won't benefit. I don't know that this administration is looking at the midterm game. Again, with President Bush, and again, they had support from Congress, but Karl Rove, the, the, the political genius that he was, um, figured this out uh, very quickly, and there was some thinking behind it. I don't think that you know, President Trump thought about this before he went in. I think he made up his mind at the last minute talking to the steel executives and having his mind changed back to where it was before uh, General Kelly and uh, Gary Cohen and others talked him out of it. So I don't know that um, he thought it through. What you get from this is that they're making it up as they go along. The idea that they dragged NAFTA into this seems to be something that they're adding to the discussion as it plays out in real time um, in public. And how you deal with that if you're a prime minister, God help you. (laughs) All right. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the time tonight, Carla. Always fun. Hey, my pleasure, Brian. Carlo Dade, he's a trade guru. That's his official title. It's on his business card. And if you don't believe me, well, look it up. Uh, He's with the Canada West Foundation. Uh, Coming up next, uh, one of the men behind Vittoria Trattoria. We're going to speak to Dom about... What's happening in the Byward market? This restaurant's been there more than 20 years. They're not backing the petition, but they are signing on and saying, hey, we've got problems here. We'll talk about that next. Remember, he's on your side. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. these uh, centers that help some of the most uh, poor and vulnerable people a cancer I find is disgraceful. That was Mayor Jim Watson uh, on the newsfeed with Christy Cameron talking about the petition going around saying that the city has to do something about the shelters. Now, the person behind the petition called them a cancer and maybe took it too far, but that's allowing people saying, oh, we, you know, this is just picking on poor people, and it allows them to ignore that there is a problem. Now, I'm someone that loves the Byward Market. I first came to the market on my first trip to Ottawa as an adult in 1990. Uh, since I moved here in 1998, I've been in and out of the market. I've been working in and out of the market since 2002. 
and I'm here all times, day and night. It's a wonderful, beautiful place. I don't discourage anyone from coming down. But there are problems. And perhaps somebody that knows that even better than me is Dom Santaguida. He is one of the, the brothers behind Vittoria Trattoria, a landmark restaurant, an established restaurant of more than 20 years in the Byward Market, and one of the first places that I ate when I came uh, to the city, Dom. You've got a great place, but and you've been able to expand over the years, but you're worried now that the problems that we're seeing in terms of aggressive panhandling, open-air drug use on the sidewalks, all of these things are turning people off. Yes, but let me uh, state that I, I don't agree with the statements that were made by uh, the gentleman, the other business owner. Uh, I I tend to agree that we have a problem with, uh, like, across the city with people need help. People are uh, in need of help. They're not, you know, they're not a cancer. They're, uh, but the city needs to kind of wake up and realize that we do have a problem with you know, all kinds of things. You're and, down here all the time. You see the same faces as I do. Yes. You get to know many of them over time. And some of them you, you don't talk to because you can't um, because of the issues that they're dealing with, the demons they're dealing with. And others you can, hi, how's it going? Um, you, you get to know people. But there, there is a change over the last little while. Yeah, and neither do I. But I feel that there's a change. I told Matthew Fleury, the counselor, I said, uh, and look, this is not everywhere. This was over by the Salvation Army. This is not in the middle of the market. I said, Matthew, I've never seen people openly smoking crack and shooting heroin on the sidewalks, and now I am. Something's changing, and we need to take it seriously. And I'm not sure the politicians are, and if they are, we're not seeing anything from it. And I totally agree. I mean, we see taxes go up, and uh, we spend more money, uh, yet... I don't see things changing for the better. You told CTV a story on the weekend about someone coming in and being violent with panhandling. So they come into your restaurant, which is, it's right on William, right? Do I have the street name right? It's on William? That's correct. So you're on William Street, right across from the Byward Market building. Someone walks in, they start aggressively panhandling, but then they get violent and the cops, they didn't want to answer? No, it wasn't something that had escalated to the point because the gentleman had already left. We escorted the gentleman out, and uh, we called 911, and we were put in the queue, and then we were told that unless he had gotten aggressive, where it had escalated where someone feared their life, uh, they weren't going to send anybody to come and investigate. So we're at the point where you don't get... It was days later where someone had followed up. So unless somebody's life is in danger, you don't get response on a call to service now? Apparently. And if you do call and it's a false alarm, they're going to send you a bill for whatever it is, 100 bucks. <sighs> That's got to be frustrating for you as, as a business owner and someone that you, know, you, you operate one of the, the high-end, I don't know how to put you guys. I mean, you're high-end food. You, you're recognized as having the best wine cellar in the nation's capital, but you're not, you don't have to dress up in a tuxedo to go to your place, a high-end casual. You're, you know, it's a beautiful spot to, to go for a meal. And if people start feeling unsafe going to your place for a meal, you're out of business. I don't think anyone should feel unsafe uh, going anywhere in the city, not the Byward Market, not anywhere. And I think it's more of a perception problem 
about the market being unsafe. Uh, but, you know, we have a problem across the whole city. Well, as I said, I, I come in all hours when I'm filling in for Bill Carroll. It's uh, 5, 5.30 in the morning. Uh, I'm in the day for Rob Snow. I'm here at night for my own show. I'm leaving between 10 and 11. Uh, I see all sorts of things. I don't feel unsafe. But then again, I'm I'm 6'2 and, and, and 2.30. So uh, who's going to take me on? But there's going to, there are going to be other people who say, well, I'll go for lunch, but I'm not going to go at night. And then that becomes a problem for this area. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I also don't want to come across as unsympathetic to people that do need help. So like people what, that, what's the solution then? I don't know. I think, I think uh, the city, the politicians, uh, federally, provincially, everybody needs to wake up and see that we have, we have problems. And it's in the city. It's not on the outskirts of the city. It's in the city. It's the market. It's Bank Street. It's Elgin Street. It's the Glebe. It's these neighborhoods. And it's uh, you. You run a, a location in the south end as well uh, on Riverside. Yes. Do you see problems out that way as well? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> it's pretty quiet out there. Yeah, we also don't see uh, ex- excessive uh, bylaw enforcement for uh, parking tickets either out in the <laughs> south end. <laughs> Okay, so you know? if you want to drive to Victoria, Victoria, maybe go to the Riverside one. <laughs> All right, Dom, uh, thanks for the time tonight, and uh, and th- thank you to you and your brother for uh, for bringing fine Italian food to the capital. Thank you very much. All right, uh, Dom uh, Santaguida is with uh, Vittoria Trattoria, and uh, they have actually been recognized as having the best wine cellar in the capital, so that tells you the quality that they're at, and he's out there saying there's a problem. Do you see a problem? with what's going on in the city. I'm with Dom. I don't want anyone to think that it's unsafe to come down here at any time, day or night, because it's not. Then again, as I said, I'm 6'2 and uh, 2.30, so who's going to bug me? A lot of other people may feel differently. You can email me beyondthenews at cfra.com, beyondthenews at cfra.com. Coming up next, Senator Linda Frum will join me. She's got concerns about our elections being hacked not by Russians, but by foreign money. And she wonders why the government won't do anything about that. with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. I think any democracy these days needs to be concerned about foreign interference in their election whether it be by the Russians, and I think the Russians have demonstrated that they are seeking to influence political events in other countries through the manipulation of the digital environment, as well as putting out these personas that purport to be citizens of these countries. So I think Canada, like other countries in Europe, uh, throughout the world, need to be mindful that there are individuals and countries out there that are going to try to do them harm, including in their electoral systems. 
That is the voice of John Brennan, the former director of the CIA, appearing on CTV's Question Period this weekend, saying that Canada, like other countries, needs to be worried about foreign interference. Well, are we? I would say no, despite assurances from Karina Gold, our Minister for Democratic Institutions, who appeared on the radio show earlier with Evan Solomon. Well, I I think that, uh, you know, we absolutely do have to prepare for this, which is why a year ago when I was appointed to this position, the Prime Minister put it in my mandate letter. And so as the Canadian government, we've been actively uh, learning about this issue, actively reviewing what's been happening around the world, engaging with counterparts and uh, working to develop our own plan here at home. And yet they are not worried about closing financing loopholes. They're worried about talking about Russia a country that they wanted to get very close to, that they accused the Harper Conservatives of being ideologically against when they first got in. I I was there for the scrums. I was there for the meetings. I was there for the discussions about how Stephen Harper only rejected Vladimir Putin because of his ideology, as uh, Stefan Dion used to say. And what are we left with now? Well, Russia's bad because Democrats say Russia helped Trump. But will they do anything about the financing? Apparently not. Senator Linda Frum, conservative senator in the upper chamber, has had a bill sitting on the order paper for quite some time now, and she's been asking for it to be debated. The answer so far has been no, that's not going to happen. And in fact, one of the uh, the top senators in the liberal, sorry, independent senators group has said, no, we're not going to take this up because they don't believe It's a real issue. Senator Frum joins me on the line now. Uh, Senator, thanks for the time tonight. It's always good to be with you, Brian. What is the the amount of time that you've been pushing S-239? This was something that would close the loophole that you discovered almost two years ago now uh, after it was a Senate committee meeting talking to the Eve Cote, the the then investigator for uh, Canada elections, who said, as long as someone takes money six months before the election, doesn't matter how much it is, they can take foreign money and then use it in our elections. You've been trying to close that loophole, and what are the Liberals saying? They're saying, well, the so to answer your question, it's my bill has been sitting on the order paper for nine months now with no movement. Um, and the uh, leader of the independent uh, Sanders group is saying, uh, well, your bill doesn't really do anything useful, <laughs> effectively, is what he's saying. Um, and uh, I, you know, heartily disagree with him, and I think most Canadians heartily disagree with him, um, if, if what you mean by not doing anything useful is closing this loophole that appears in the Canada Elections Act, where, as you mentioned, foreigners are can legally, you know, um, funnel unlimited amounts of money into our electoral system through via third parties, um, you know, up until six months before an election. And, and, and we know that this happened in the last election. An awful lot of money came from very liberal groups into organizations like Dogwood Initiative, Tides Foundation, and they were all very active. And all they have to say is, well, we took the money six months before the election. Uh, it's all our money now, so we can spend it how we see fit. Right. So a very obvious fix to that problem is to have a bill that says that no foreign money can be used for election purposes at any time, right? And that effectively and essentially what this bill that I'm proposing says. It says 
no time can a third party accept foreign funds, not just, you know, um, earlier than six months from an election, but at any time. And um, in face of this very reasonable uh, proposal, what I'm hearing from my opponents, um, the Trudeau-appointed senators, is, well, this, is, this isn't necessary, or this isn't a big problem, or we have other things to worry about, so why, why bother worry about this? So Senator Yoon Pa Wu, is he the leader of the Independent Senate group? That's correct. Okay. He tweeted in response to you that S-239 turns off water mains to stop a leaky tap when their bigger problem is the dripping roof. Brennan interview hits the mark, but not in the way S-239 intends. I don't know what he's talking about. I have no idea about these mixed metaphors that he's got going on. I know. Well, let's let's put the metaphors aside because they're very confusing. Because you know they don't make any sense. If you have, if your if your kitchen sink is leaking, but and your roof is leaking, do you say, well, which one should I fix, or do you just fix them both? You right? fix them both. Of course. So the metaphor is nonsensical. But you know what he's talking about. I think is that there is a difference between foreign um, interference and foreign influence, and that's true. I mean, foreign interference is when, you know, the Russians do things like tap, you know, hack into the Democratic Party's website and leak embarrassing emails. That's interference. Influence is when you do the stuff that's happening in Canada where you write checks from Tides Foundation USA. They they don't even have to do the interference. They can just (laughs) pay for it. They can just do the direct influence. Exactly. And, and And our laws say that that is fine. There's no problem with it. So what I would say to Senator Wu, and what I do say is, you know, by all means, fix, you know, take measures to prevent interference, but also take measures to prevent influence, the legal influence that is allowed right now. And I asked uh, Senator Wu, uh, who, look, I say he's a liberal because the independent senators vote more in line with the government than the the old liberal senators. That's correct. Uh, so call yourselves whatever you want, but you're voting with the government more than the government does. And, <laughs> and I asked, you know, do you not want to stop it because the money was all left wing last time? No answer from him. Uh, but let, let's put it this way. Last time it was a bunch of left wing groups in America, mostly out of California, funding a bunch of left wing groups in Vancouver to run nationwide campaigns to target conservatives, and they brag openly about doing this and say, we were successful, we did it. Well, what if next time it is a Chinese billionaire or a Russian oligarch or somebody else that they don't like? And let's say they're backing Andrew Scheer for whatever reason. Exactly. Uh, You know, I don't don't want Andrew Scheer to be backed by foreign interests any more than I want the Liberals or the NDP to be backed by foreign interest. We have these laws in place for a reason. There is a a problem in the law right now. And I've told you before, I don't think your bill goes far enough because right now one of the other problems is that with or without foreign money, you can run a complete get-out-the-vote campaign, a shadow campaign, I call it, using whatever money you want, and that's not illegal. So I could say... I'm going to run a campaign to get out all the votes for just conservatives. That doesn't count against the Conservative Party's election spend. Right. It should. Right. Well, listen, I mean, I understand that there are um, many, many vulnerabilities 
to uh, our electoral system. You know, being in a democratic country, uh, it's hard to put up all the defenses that you need. So I am not saying to anybody that my bill, S-239, will fix all the problems. I've never suggested that, or nor would I try to. Um, you know, it, it, it addresses one specific hole in our Elections Act. There are many others, the one that you just described. I agree. We, there's many vulnerabilities that we have. The so, irony to me, sorry, Brian, is that, that one of the reasons why I, I chose to make my bill fairly narrow in scope is I took the attitude that, well, let me pick something that everyone can agree with, that, that should not be controversial, is nonpartisan, um, you know, it doesn't affect one party more than, it should not affect one party more than the other. It should be something that all reasonable Canadians can agree on. And so that's why it is, it's narrow. And even in its narrow and relatively unambitious scope, meaning it's asking to do something that is so self-evident, make it illegal for foreigners to contribute to our electoral system, I can't even move that forward. So, yeah, and I understand where you're coming from and why you did it that way. I'd like to see a lot more fixed, but it seems like Senator Wu is saying if we can't fix everything... Just let the roof keep leaking, let the tap keep dripping, right. and mix all your metaphors and do nothing. Exactly. And why is that? Like, wh- like wh- on what basis can anyone well, make an argument in favor of that? Because it benefits the guy that put him in office. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that's, that's the unpleasant conclusion one has to come to. Because if you're not interested in trying to fix the vulnerabilities one at a time, or you, you know, by all means, fix them five at a time, fix them ten at a time, but fix them, address them, care about them. And um, the fact that the, the excuse that's being used not to plug the hole that I've identified in my bill is that it doesn't plug all the holes, that's just, uh, you know, this is a very insincere and cynical argument to make. Uh, it tells me you have a different agenda. All right, Senator, thanks for your time tonight. Thank you so much. Tell me what you think. Do you think that you can fix a leaky tap and the leaky roof? Or do you agree with uh, the liberal, I mean, independent senator who says, no, let's fix everything or nothing at all? Uh, beyond the news at CFRA.com, I, I honestly don't want any of our political parties or movements funded by foreign money. We know that an awful lot of the money that has been pushing the anti-pipeline agenda comes directly from (gasps) Russia. Yeah, Russia's part of it. Saudi Arabia. Absolutely. California. Yeah. And even the Rockefellers out of New York. So beyond the news at CFRA.com, do you think this is a hole that we need to plug or do we let it just continue to trip, 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 trip? What a horrible mixed metaphor that senator had um beyond the news at cfra.com coming up next uh i'll point out more details on not only on what dick fadden the former national security director uh, or advisor said about this india conspiracy but i'll also play you audio from an interview that liberal mp randeep sarai did last week that squarely points the finger back at the prime minister's office for botching Jaspel Atwal getting an invite. All that coming up next on Beyond the News. News Talk 580 CFRA. Be Lil. He's on your side. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA.
A beautiful night in the Byward Market. Not too busy on the streets behind me, to, but, but of course, real sports closed across the street. That makes that a little bit of a dead zone. The gym across the street at Anytime Fitness going strong. How many people in the front window? Uh, four, five, six. I can see about six people working out on different machines at this time of night. Look, I, I think that there's problems in the Byward Market. I think that the politicians have to take them seriously. But I don't want you thinking that you can't ever come down here. I don't want anyone thinking that at all. It is a beautiful and vibrant spot. And somewhere that I'm at, well, almost every day. Five days a week at least. Interesting debate coming up in May, May 18th, 2018. The Monk debates will happen. In, well, the next Monk debate, it is a series of debates. And it says, be it resolved, what you call political correctness, I call progress. Now, here's what's interesting about this. And this is why I like the monk debates. They are not afraid to bring in somebody that's going to be (gasps) controversial. So they've got two standard run-of-the-mill leftists who are going to debate that they're going to argue for what you call political correctness, I call progress. And they are Michael Eric Dyson. Who's he? He's a professor at Georgetown University and a host of the Michael Eric Dyson Show on NPR. Naomi Wolf has called him the ideal public intellectual of our time. That's Naomi Wolf, not Naomi Klein. Let's not get confused by the Naomi's here. But he's definitely a leftist. And also on his side, also arguing the pro side, is Michelle Goldberg. She is a New York Times columnist. Who's arguing the other side? The biggest boogeyman of them all right now, Jordan Peterson, he's arguing uh, that against the resolution, along with Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry's an actor you've likely seen. He's an English actor and also an activist on gay rights issues, including pushing for gay marriage in the UK. But He says the advances of the Enlightenment are being systematically and deliberately pushed back. I'll give you more details on this later on in the show. And, of course, we'll talk about it as we get closer to the event. But right now, let's talk about what Dick Fadden had to say about Jasper Latwal getting invited to not one but two receptions during Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's trip to India. This should not have happened. Uh, I think it probably happened because there is a lack of uh, clarity in who does what to whom in preparing for prime ministerial trips. All right, so that's why he got invited. A mix-up. Shouldn't have happened, but Fadden went on to say in his conversation with Evan Solomon, look, each PMO is different, and each trip can be different, and somebody should have done this, and... They didn't vet properly. But does Fadden believe the former national security advisor to Stephen Harper and Justin Trudeau, does he believe a man who headed up CSIS and was deputy minister of national defense plus worked in Jean Chrétien's PMO or the Privy Council office when Chrétien was PM on security after 9-11, a man with far more experience than Daniel Jean will ever have in national security, does he believe that India is part of a conspiracy to set up the Prime Minister of Canada and embarrass him. 
If it were true, it would be very serious indeed, which is why I think it's probably not true, uh, because I still don't see the advantage to India of their doing this. And Fadden says when something like this is floated, you have to say, okay, what's the benefit? Why would they do it? What benefit could they possibly have? Maybe there is a benefit. In this one, he doesn't see it. Now let's turn to the other fall guy, Randeep Sarai, the Liberal MP from Surrey Centre. You remember last week, he gave one word answer when he was asked if he was part of these rogue elements with the Indian government. He said no. Then he flew home to Surrey. That was at the end of Ralph Goodale's disastrous scrum. Then he flew home to Surrey, and he was talking with the Surrey Now leader. It's a local paper. He said, look, I wanted to talk to you guys first because you're my local paper. I owe it to my people to give an explanation. And this is the interview where he said he didn't personally invite Jasper Latwal. He didn't personally invite him. So how did he end up on his list then? Because Sarai did invite him. He did send his name forward. Well, if you followed me on the weekend at brianlilly.com, you would know the answer already. But let me play you the audio because this is important. We forwarded those forward. Let me play you the key part here. We forwarded those names to uh, uh, forward those names forward. Listen closely because Randeep Sarai is saying they forwarded the names and he, he's about to say where they forwarded the names to and then he pauses. I'm going to play it again. To uh, 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 forwarded those names forward. He forwarded them on to the PMO. He forwarded them on to the prime minister's office where the vetting political or security wise should have happened. And it didn't happen. So everyone that Justin Trudeau has tried to blame Jasper Latwal for being the reason this guy was invited. No, it doesn't fly. Sarai says he asked around and this is how it works on these big trips. You don't want to leave anyone off the list, so you ask your MPs, okay, who's in your community that should be invited? Oh, this person, that person, that person. There's going to be more names than you can handle. They get forwarded to the PMO. The PMO makes the final decision. They send the list on to the high commissioner or ambassador who issues the formal invitation. It's not the high commissioner. It's not the ambassador. It's not the individual MP, and it's definitely not, in this case, the Indian government. You can find all the details, including the audio, the full audio, the full interview at com. When we come back, Ray Hurd will join us. Is Justin Trudeau, is he able to come back from this? And what caused this big slide? Maybe you heard about that poll. Talk about that when we come back. With Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA.
The Conservatives would win the election. Yep, they're uh, they're five points ahead of the Liberals now uh, nationally. Uh, and uh, you you may think that it's it's because of something the Conservatives did. They're up seven points since December, but in fact it isn't. It's self-inflicted wounds by the by the Liberal government uh, that has caused them to decline by five points since the uh, since the New Year. Sean Simpson from Ipsos, the premier polling firm in the country, let's be frank here, talking to Rob Snow earlier today on News and Views. I I wrote about this on Friday because the poll broke late Friday, and I've worked with Sean and Daryl Bricker at Ipsos. used to work with John Wright when they were there, and those guys taught me an awful lot about polling when they were my pollster for five years. And their numbers right now, 38% for the Conservatives. 33% for the Liberals, 21% for the NDP. But you know what? It gets even more fascinating when you get into the regional numbers. Most of the Liberal support is in Quebec and Atlantic Canada. In Ontario, the Conservatives actually lead 46% to 33% over the Liberals. In Alberta, the Liberals are in third place at just 11% support behind the NDP at 25, the Conservatives at 62 and in the other two prairie provinces, Sask and Manitoba, it's 44 to 24. So, uh, an out in BC three-way race. Why is this happening? Well, Bricker and Simpson both say these are self-inflicted wounds by the Liberals. It's everything from not managing the economy correctly to the India trip, the costumes, the inviting a terrorist, all of this. And the budget was apparently a dud as well. Ray Hurd joins me on the line now, just back from vacationing in hawaii taking the surfs up route ray thanks for the time well aloha to you but i Uh, wouldn't say aloha to justin trudeau right now you are someone whose reporting career goes back to lester pearson and lbj you covered lyndon baines johnson in the white house you covered lester pearson up here you have been around politics the whole time before we get into these poll numbers had you ever seen a trip as disastrous Foreign policy, a foreign trip as disastrous as the one that Trudeau took to India? No, it's probably the worst I've experienced. And I go back to Diefenbaker, who also self-imploded. I think it's fair to say this, the way I feel about it, and I have uh, had quite a senior job in the Liberal Party when John Turner was the leader. You were director of communications, yeah? Yes. The thing is, The polls accurately reflect a sense of uh, disappointment, if not disgust. It's not surprising. Justin and his chief advisor, Gerald Butts, seem to be digging their own grave and then jumping into it. I am not surprised this has happened. And in my humble opinion, Brian, the slide really was caused. It started when Justin for no reason at all that I can understand, gave a convicted terrorist murderer $10.5 million after he killed an American medic. So so that was last July, just after the... It it happened while he was in Ireland. It happened just after the House of Commons rose. He had to know about it. Uh, Let's talk about the terrorist angle, because that ties into what happened last summer. It ties into what happened in December when he invited uh, Joshua Boyle, who a lot of people have questions about. His ties to the Haqqani network. Was he really a 
a hostage if he's having three kids while in custody, uh, and now he's facing heinous crimes charges here. It ties into Jasper Atwal in India, and it ties into something that broke today about one of the members of the Toronto 18 convicted terrorists getting their citizenship back. Well, This guy is offside of Canadians on one of the essential issues of our day. But the problem is it's not a complex issue like renegotiating NAFTA. Canadians don't understand. But when Justin gives $10.5 million to a terrorist who's a killer and then says he did it to avoid legal legal costs, he's not telling the truth. I have a good friend who's appeared before the Supreme Court of Canada several times in criminal cases. He said the most a court would have given... This terrorist, and I'm not mentioning his name now, but people know it, the most he would have got would be $600,000. He got $10.5 million at the same time that Justin is stiffing Canadian veterans on how much they get if they're wounded in action fighting in the war against terrorism. So I see this as part of a trend. And, of course, the latest story, Brian, which, uh, which some people I've told don't believe it, Justin has just arranged to reward a terrorist who orchestrated the Toronto 18 plot to blow up downtown Toronto. Behead the prime minister. And behead the prime minister. This guy, whose name is Zacharia Amara, who wasn't even born in Canada, under the Harper government... He lost his citizenship, but under Justin Trudeau's change in the Harper laws, he is going to be rewarded by getting his citizenship back. Because Justin said, as you will recall, and many of your listeners will, a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. Well, in my Canada, Brian, a Canadian who willfully commits terrorism and is convicted of that crime shouldn't keep Canadian citizenship. And most Western civilized countries would disagree with what Justin is doing. Okay, so think back to the monk debates, not the monk debates, the monk um, leadership debate in the middle of the last election. I was down there. Justin Trudeau had said this was his policy. He'd give citizenship back. I was the only one willing to ask, why are you giving that back when your father stripped citizenship He started this process back in the 1970s. Uh, Would you strip citizenship away from former Nazis? And he told me that he would because they lied on their paperwork, but that a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. So to to Justin Trudeau, and then he went around to all the immigrant communities and said, if you vote for Stephen Harper, your kids will lose their citizenship. Um, Well, only if they take up arms against Canada. Yes, and so, not just know, Canada. ISIS is against civilization, even fellow true. Muslim civilization. So Justin's way out of court. But let me just add one thing. The worst feature of his disastrous voyage to India, which was basically an excuse to dress up in garb that even my Indian friends ridiculed, the basic problem was... He got a senior civil servant to lie to the media to say the government of India, the world's biggest democracy, had somehow orchestrated 
a convicted Sikh Canadian terrorist attending a dinner party. He lied, but when parliamentary committees wanted to call this civil servant, who is his top security advisor... Uh, Daniel Jean. I was the one that outed him. It's Daniel Jean. You were the one, thank goodness you did this, who named him Daniel Jean. Trudeau would not let this guy testify before the elected representatives of the people of Canada, that's a parliamentary committee. So it's fine the way Justin sees it, that a senior civil servant, who has been politicized, by the way, and all civil servants by implication have, he thinks it's fine for him to talk to the media off the record, but he won't allow the same person to talk to a committee of elected representatives of the nation which is almost beyond George Orwell. It even reminds me of Monty Python. I I, I want to play a clip of Dick Fadden, the former national security advisor under Stephen Harper. He carried over under Justin Trudeau, and in my view, Justin Trudeau got rid of him because Fadden was asking too many questions about dictatorial regimes like China. But Fadden was asked, do you believe that in this Indian conspiracy. And he said a couple of interesting things. He said, no, he doesn't believe in that conspiracy. But he also said that this never should have happened, that Atwal was invited. This should not have happened. Uh, I think it probably happened because there is a lack of uh, clarity in who does what to whom in preparing for prime ministerial trips. But as to do you believe the conspiracy, Fadden was clear. No. No, but... But that is something that's so out of court, there's no evidence. When you read the transcript, when the civil servants made the statement, everything was qualified, may, might, perhaps. He doesn't understand how to use the English language. Well, I, I so, think he was doing that because Daniel John doesn't believe it, but Jerry Butts told him he had to. Yes, but that politicizes the civil servants, and it's an insult to the parliament of canada not to allow someone to talk to them who can go and lie to the press all right so that's what he did ray is someone with extensive experience in the media and in the liberal party of canada does justin trudeau have a way back from all of these missteps the trip to india the budget about nothing other than mentioning gender 358 times but offering no no ability to deal with nafta his pandering to terrorists, does he, can he find a way back in just about 18 months to win the next election? I think it's possible, but if the opposition sticks to their guns, I always advise some of my clients, if you want to get a message over, keep it simple, and for God's sake, don't have too many messages. If I were running the opposition campaigns, and of course the guy who leads the NDP, who is a Sikh, he refuses to disassociate himself from some of these Sikh radicals. And I think Justin has been pandering to the Sikh vote for that reason that there's a Sikh who runs the NDP. Mm -hmm. But I have a lot of friends who happen to be Sikhs and Hindus, and my Sikh friends are absolutely outraged by this disaster, the circus of a trip to India, because they are sort of now collectively put in the same bracket as a small minority of Sikh separatists 
who want to break up Canada. And the irony, as you mentioned, I think, earlier, is his father and Gretchen after him fought to keep one united Canada together. And here's Justin, by association, supporting Sikhs who have indulged in terrorism because they want to break up India. It's unbelievable. Ray? Thanks for the insight. Thanks for the time. And I hope I'm still uh, surfing while, I'm, well, I don't surf yet, but maybe I'll try. Uh, but I ho- well, hope I'm age, still as active at your age. Thank you very much, Brian. <laughs> All right. Ray Hurd uh, joining us from Toronto. Uh, let me know what you think. And if you want more details on this poll, you can find all the results at uh, brianlilly.com. Um, does Trudeau find a way back from all these missteps? I mean, Ray's adding in ones that I'd forgotten about beyond the news at CFRA.com. I wonder if A.J. Gupta or any other members of the Gupta family saying that as they flew away on a $41 million luxury jet that you and I paid for so they could buy it from Bombardier. A piece by Alan Freeman. I believe it's the Alan Freeman that teaches at the University of Ottawa. It's in the Washington Post on the weekend. Canada lent a family $41 million to buy a luxury jet. Now the jet is missing. That's the headline. He starts off saying, If you spot a sleek Bombardier Global 6000 business jet sporting tail number ZSOAK, or I guess ZSOAK if you're in the States, Canada would love to hear from you. The jet belonged to South Africa's notorious Gupta family, whose alleged corruption helped trigger the scandals that recently forced President Jacob Zuma out of office. But the Guptas bought the plane with help from a $41 million loan from Export Development Canada. EDC was helping Bombardier Inc. land the jet sale, but that turns out to have been a poor bet. EDC now says the family defaulted on the loan in October, still owes the bank $27 million. There's an arrest warrant outstanding for A.J. Gupta. 
And they're not sure they can find it, by the way. And bring up the song a little bit. Let's listen to that a little more. It's Leaving on a Jet Plane, Chantel Kraviazic's version. Uh, there's a website. You can track anyone's plane. I think I freaked out Ford's campaign when I tracked him on the weekend, trying to track him down for the story I broke about Christine Elliott. Um, but hey, I'm, I'm a journalist. I'm paid to be a stalker in some ways. There's a website called FlightAware, and you can track any flight, private or commercial, if you know its route or its tail number or its flight number. But the aircraft with the tail number ZS-OAK, it's been taken off FlightAware at the uh, request of the company, which is Weston Investments Limited of South Africa. That's one of the companies owned by the Gupta family. So they're on the lam. With a $41 million jet that you and I paid for. This is how we help Bombard J, folks. We help rich people buy jets they can't afford, and then they leave. I'm on a website that specializes. It's controller.com. Specializes in you and used jet sales. Looking at a gorgeous 2016 Bombard J Global 6000. That's the same model the Guptas flew off with. You know how you're all crammed in? On those commercial things, and you got the little seat back trait. No, this is like two seats next to each other with a table in front of them, and on the other side, two more seats, kind of like on the train, but nicer. That's one section. They've got a private bar section, a couch section, a galley kitchen for the staff. This is beautiful. Just one of many for sale. I mean, they could have had it for 19 to $30 million if they'd gone the used route. But, well, they had to go new, and they went through Export Development Canada, and now we're on the hook for $27 million. How do you like them apples? We'll get to phone calls in a minute. We'll tee some things up when we come back, and then we'll get to phone calls. And if you've got thoughts on, uh, you know, people running away with jets that you and I paid for, let me know. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. have a significant trade surplus. The Americans have a significant trade surplus with us on steel, uh, which which means uh, we buy steel from them, they buy steel from us. (laughs) 
more Canadians are noticing the fool on the hill. It's why Ipsos has a poll showing that they are down in the polls. Down by five points, it's 38-33, I believe it's the national number, 46-33 in Ontario alone. It is something to behold. And then as you get out west, Alberta, the Liberals have just 11% support, 24% in Saskatchewan, Manitoba. My guess is most of that centered around Winnipeg, where they have seven MPs. Most of the country, other than Quebec and Atlantic Canada, turning its back on this fool on the hill. What about you? 521-TALK, 521-8255. I know handling Donald Trump can be difficult. But if there was anyone singularly incapable of doing it, I would say that it would be Justin Trudeau. Who, by the way, was mocked in cartoon president. So was Trump, but Trudeau was as well. The Americans are... Are on to him. 521 Talk, 521 8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1 800 580 CFRA. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Foreign financing of our elections. Do you have thoughts on that? Do you have concerns? The Americans financed places like Lead Now, Dogwood Initiative, Tides Canada in the last election. They in turn targeted conservatives. Lead Now brags about taking down. 24 or 25 Canadians, I'd have to refresh my uh, memory by looking at their website, but it's one of the two. So two dozen conservative seats that they targeted, they say they were successful in. Most of them, they say they were successful in. Are you concerned about foreign interference in our election like that? Because the, the liberals are only concerned about Russia, 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 which they weren't in the last election. They loved Russia. I wonder if they did interfere in our election to get them in and Stephen Harper out, considering Stephen Harper was rather tough on Vladimir Putin and Justin Trudeau's wanted to be nice and soft to him. Christy Freeland, I will note, has not been. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or 1-800-580-CFRA. Or perhaps you're like Linda calling in about Doug Ford and you have thoughts on the Ontario PC leadership race. Linda, you're on Beyond the News. Go. Well, this is totally up your alley, uh, uh, Brian. Uh, I can't believe I'm part of this. I became a member. This is the first time becoming a member. Mm-hmm. And the information I got for you is probably going to blow you away. So, anyways, this afternoon, he came out at 2.40. I was listening to Andrew Lawton, and he came out, out right after, uh, at 10.40, of his interview with Andrew Lawton. So, Doug made a statement of, of a broken voting system. Now, what he said was 45,000 votes have been registered so far. There are approximately 190,000 members. Now, I again, six, he didn't say this, but this is the, what I've been reading because we get all this information with our, our um, everybody from the candidates giving us information to us on our email. Yeah. So 60,000 me- new members were signed up since Brown first dropped out. Okay. So, okay, so Doug made a request to all candidates to join together to have the PC party to do paper ballots and give another week because there's no rush. So that all the ones that are having trouble, and I'm one of them, can actually do this. So Ford did an excellent job. I was really impressed. Ford diplomatically said this is for all candidates to make it, it, it democratic, a democratic vote to win but, but, but Doug, in fairness to Doug, and okay. uh, look, I talked to him on the weekend as he wanted to jump all over Christine Elliott and the maybe in the future comment about carbon tax. Mm-hmm. In fairness to Doug, he knew the system going in. And, and he, he was fine with it at the beginning. And, and now he's 
got competition from Christine Elliott, and he's no. This he's is upset. actually okay. The thing is, if I give you the opportunity, what you need to do is uh, look at this tonight. Okay, I, I know it's on Andrew Lawton, so you can actually listen to what he said. But it, it's he actually did this very well to say this is for all candidates. He wasn't saying this is just for me. He's saying it so that everybody can be uh, equal. You know that, and not only that, but like. 100,000 members are trying to put a, a, get a vote, and we can't. Like, I have been working since Feb- February the 15th that I did it, and there was a bit of a glitch when I did it, okay? And I have been working my butt off trying to get this straightened out. And okay, what's the problem that's stopping you from, from me, voting, Linda? Because it did an automatic fill, an autofill for my address. So it went to Toronto instead of Hamilton, <laughs> And I have been doing everything, calling, you name it, emails, you name it, to the PC party. And you, uh, it's awful. You try to try to get in. and it Who's is your local candidate? I don't know who it is, but that's not going to do me any good because you have to call the PC party. Yeah, but they might be able to help you from their uh, campaign office. I know well, that I've there are... The campaign offices. There, there are local campaign offices here in Ottawa that are helping people from... who are backing all candidates to try and register... Uh, what I will tell you is that the um, and I will look into this more. I'm not dismissing you, okay, this but is I'm telling yet, I'm telling you if you want to get your situation fixed, right? And, and you can't get through to the the party headquarters, and I understand well, I from other I people. I finally did. Okay, but uh, that, it's uh, uh, basically tough luck. Okay, but the thing is, this isn't finished yet. What I've got to finish. They came out the seventh this evening and said the, P, the PC party rejected it. The request. Now, Christine Elliott came, or sorry, not Christine Elliott, uh, sorry, uh, Caroline uh, Mulroney said, uh, her, she came out after Doug Ford and said, okay, we'll look, look, take a look at this on Wednesday and see how many people have actually been able to register because it's given them until Wednesday at 8 o'clock, I believe. Okay. And she said that, uh, uh, on the, that she would also make a request on behalf of the voters for extension, et cetera, too. So th- this is... This is quite a mess as far as I'm concerned because literally everybody has been trying because I've been working on this. I know. Um, and I'm, I've, I've, I've talked to actually uh, two uh, campaigns, okay, trying to do this and try to get it fixed. I actually, when this happened with me with my address, I knew that, that I'd seen it, it was, went wrong. I tried to change it. I sent an email within minutes afterwards, and I couldn't get it fixed. Well, you know, when there's when something's happening this rushed, yeah, there's going to be problems. Oh, yeah, it should have been there, done the other way. Like that only makes there, sense because it's just like you, well, you can't. And oh, the biggest I, I, thing how, is, how do you do it the other way? The and other and way when, is, when do you have the vote, Linda? Okay, the biggest thing do you have is, the vote in in May and then the election in June. No, I think the biggest thing is Brian is like it does make sense, and you've got older people not be that don't have a computer. And really do get mixed up with what they've got to really do. Right. My so, mother is 73 and she could register. Well, I, my mom could too. Okay. But so, not everybody can. I'm We are uh, in, in an age, we're not in the age where people that were seniors don't know what technology is. So I don't buy that as, as an excuse I, I, anymore I because, because I still have a lot of people around me that don't have computers that are that age. And I'm even shocked because I go and say, oh, did you take a look on, on this to check this out on the web? I don't have a computer. Oh, okay. You know, like you, like you have to be The fastest way to don't. register is with a cell phone. Uh, other Again? people will help you do that. Again, the campaigns, the, the local candidates and the campaigns have been running workshops to help people register. Um, the, like if you don't get the envelope, which uh, it, that's the biggest problem. We don't have the envelope with the code. And, I, and that is a big problem. 
That's the but once you problem. get it, it's not so much getting the register. People like that's the biggest thing. People just don't have okay. the code. All right. Well, we'll see what other people have to say if other folks in the audience are having trouble. Thanks for your call, Linda. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Are Bye. you having trouble on this? Give me a call. Five two one talk. Five two one eight two five five. I heard that Doug had come out on this. I'll tell you what the Elliott campaign said in response when we come back. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. We've got a leadership race on for the official opposition, likely the next uh, party to become the government in Ontario. And it's a good thing that we pay for the um, Canadian Press Wire Service that sends us audio from across the province on issues of importance. The last and only audio clip in our system from the Ontario Political Wire on Canadian press is the snowmobile report from last Friday. They have nothing to say about any of this. I'll get to uh, several of you calling in about uh, Linda's call, but uh, first Francine's been waiting to talk about Peter Tilley's comments in the Byward market. Francine, go. Yes. uh, Hi, Brian. I just wanted to say uh, you had mentioned earlier about Peter Tilley. Um, You know, I've been around in Ottawa. I'm, I'm born in Ottawa. And I know a lot of the history about Peter, Peter Tilly, and he's done a lot of great work for the food bank. And um, Absolutely. Great guy. Yes, he's a great guy, and he's also done a lot of work as the, with the food aid barbecues uh, over the past and that. And I really have a lot of respect for him, and I think his heart is in the right place. Um, however, with all due respect, I think um, he's not looking to see that things are getting, I, I don't, find things are getting better uh, with the, um, he calls them clients. First of all, I don't think that's the appropriate word. And I, I do not believe the appropriate word about calling cancer, uh, the other fellow that mentioned uh, on his petition, I don't think it's appropriate for him to say that as well. But it is a, a very complicated matter. And um, But I do not see, I've been here for many, many years, and I've been here much longer than you have. <laughs> I'm born here. Mm-hmm. I've seen the transition in the byword market. It's a beautiful area, but there are a lot of major issues. But people that, people I, I, I go by all three shelters on a regular basis, Francine, and, and I'll, I I'll be blunt. The union mission keeps things clean. They keep the guys outside because it is a men's shelter. Right. And they can't win there. They they keep them in line. And then there is the Salvation Army and the Shepherds of Good Hope. And those two are disasters. Yes. They they don't look after the people that hang around outside on their sidewalks, that shoot drugs on the sidewalk out front of them, that panhandle aggressively, that go into traffic that deal drugs right outside their doors? No, the Shepherds of Good Hope, the supposed Catholic organization in the Byward Market, sorry, I'm getting angry, but they reject pizzas from a Little Caesars in Stittsville because they can't guarantee how safe it is 
while it's being driven frozen from Stittsville to downtown, and they let people buy street poison and shoot it into their veins in a trailer that they put up. Shame on those people. Well, exactly. And you know what? I've been wanting to do a lot of good things. I have a 22-year-old, and I have a 14-year-old daughter. Uh, And many times I've wanted to do some volunteer work with my kids to show them that there are people out there that need help. And to be honest, I'm, I'm a, uh, I wouldn't say I'm afraid. I, I just don't, uh, I don't feel secure bringing my children in that kind of environment. I want to do volunteer work there to help individuals. But these are supposed to be temporary shelters. I would really like to see from Peter Tilly, and I hope he's listening tonight, statistics to show what has 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 improved in over. I, I've been in the uh, the kitchens and the shelters at both the Shepherds and the 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 Union Mission. Don't feel any fear of going into the Union Mission. Fear. I don't feel fear, but I. Don't but but it's clean. It's safe, and your kids to be fine. Uh, contact I, them and consider it. I don't feel there's an improvement. However, uh, that's all right. The thing I I would like to know, uh, and you uh, know, you're you're talking about that, and when he's mentioning this fellow. He has a point when he's doing this petition. People are upset. People are not seeing an improvement. And there should be. And P- Peter Tilly should step out and say, well, we have improved. Uh, he- here are the statistics. This is supposed to be a temporary shelter. It's not supposed to be a permanent place for these individuals. They need help. They are alcoholics. They are drug addicts. They need treatment. Okay, I got to run, uh, Francine. Thanks for the call. Let's hope that uh, pressure can be put on them to, as she said, show some improvement. Uh, Tony and Amy, I want to get to you before the news at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Tony, you say that you're having problems uh, as well. Yes, I am. Yeah, it's. Um, uh, I'm having, uh, and I, I know several other other people in the same situation too that are that haven't received uh, their uh, they haven't received anything in the mail yet. Uh, so is that your problem? You haven't received the registration pin that would allow you to register exactly, to vote. Yeah, that's that's where I'm stuck. Okay, so today's Monday. You've got until you've got two more mail days. Yeah, to potentially do it. How reliable is your uh, postal carrier? Well, the, the, we we do get it here every day, so we, we I'm, I'm still in the, the grandfathered delivery area, so I don't have to run to the box every day. But uh, but uh, I'm not. It's not looking. I mean, I know several other people in the same situation, so... All right, do you have a smartphone, Tony? I don't. You no. don't? Okay, because I'm told that is the easiest way to do it. it, rather than scanning and all of that. Do you have a computer with a, a webcam in it? Yeah, I do, yes. Okay, so then that's the second easiest way. Yeah. What I'm told is do not use scanners to scan in. It, it, must, it messes things up. It takes longer. Uh, the easiest way to do it is with you know a, a, an Android or an iPhone, and we can't, take the photo and send can't it. We can't do in. anything until we get that first. Until you get it in. No, I'm just telling you from yeah. my discussions with the campaigns mm-hmm. and the Le- leadership organizing committee. What they found is the the fastest and easiest way with the least number of headaches. So hopefully you get it by by Wednesday. I hope so. Okay, thanks for the call. Thanks, uh, Amy. Um, Amy, you're. Oh, hitting the wrong button. I'm hitting Tony again. Amy, uh, you're uh, having problems as well? Yes. The strange thing, Brian, is I ordered two memberships the same day. One of the mailers was supposed to go to my fiancé in Embram. He got his. I hadn't gotten mine yet. 
I'm just wondering if this is like a way to have more fighting happening in the party. Those who want to vote for it or Tanya are the ones getting the shaft, and the ones that are more progressive, they're the ones getting most of the the, the verification codes or mailing. How, how would they know? That, that's what I've been trying to figure out in my head as well, saying, but how would they know? But I know when I'm getting calls, especially every half hour from Christine Elliott's campaign or Caroline Mulrooney with recordings, I keep telling them, not interested, don't call back. So I, I don't know. Maybe Maybe that's it. I don't know. But the campaigns and the party, the way it's supposed to work, is they're supposed to be completely separate. And they're not supposed to be, the campaigns aren't supposed to be deciding who gets mail and who doesn't. No, but I can tell you for sure, I got a call on Sunday from Doug Ford's campaign and his family's answering the phones, or not answering the phones, making the calls to people for their support. And they're starting to wonder as well what's going on with this whole thing. Okay, thanks for the call, Amy. Thank you. Here's my concern about Doug Ford continually casting vote on uh, doubt on the voting system. Are there going to be problems? Yes. Is this Doug Ford trying to cast doubt on the voting system in case he loses? That's my worry. And if it is, Doug, then shame on you because I would hope for better. Um, I know plenty of people on the campaign. I know plenty of people on all the campaigns. Show me that there are real problems beyond the the fact that you didn't mail the stuff out fast enough, party. And I'll reconsider. But I'm starting to wonder if Doug is constantly harping on at the system because he just wants to be ready in case he doesn't win. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. We were, uh, we were full for a while, but lines open now. We'll get back to your calls after this quick break. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Get some FaceTime with Brian. Join the resistance at Facebook.com slash 580 CFRA. This year, when you hear your name called, don't get up right away. Don't get up if you hear your name called. That was the word from Jimmy Kimmel at the Oscars yesterday. And if you're like me and tens of millions, nay, hundreds of millions of other people across North America, you did not watch the Oscars. Stephen Ellsworth, did you watch the Oscars? About five minutes of it. So about the same as me? Yeah. Okay. Beginning or end? What'd you watch? Um... I believe I was at the point where uh, they were handing out uh, the best production award, which I believe went to The Shape of Water, and that's pretty much the that was only pretty, part of it. That uh, was that pretty early on. Yeah. Okay, here's why I bring this up. The Oscars is made out to be a big deal each year, and their ratings are at a a low, a huge low. Like, we're talking, people are using the term historic, all-time. million. A couple of years ago, it was 43 million. Why? Maybe we don't want to hear Jimmy Kimmel beat us over the head with politics. Oh, well, the NFL Super Bowl, they had low ratings this year as well. You know when the NFL ratings started to go down? When they started to have everyone doing politics in the middle. 
You want politics? You come here. I don't talk that much about the movies. I might mention something I see, but I'm not going to sit there and hammer home about the beauty of the shape of water, which apparently involves a guy that looks like a creature from the Black Lagoon. I didn't know that until yesterday because I don't pay attention. I saw Black Panther. That was pretty cool. It's a very cool movie. Elsie, you should go see that one if you haven't already. That's a good movie. Yeah, I I need to catch up on my, mo- on my movies. I don't think I've even seen the latest Star Wars movie. Radical lefty politics in it, but still fun. I ignore politics when I go to the movies, and I ignore politics at the Oscars, which is why I didn't watch. I, 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 I thought uh, for some reason that there, it would get a lot of attention because, oh, what – controversy at the end or is there going to be any of that i thought that alone would oh get that they would hype. screw up the uh yeah that it would happen again yeah uh, apparently not uh, they gave the oscar to me that would be a <laughs> screw up all right five two one talk five two one eight two five five lots of you calling in about uh the pc voting process we'll get to those calls in a second uh but also you know people have something to say about what's going on in the byword market the petition saying that Politicians have to do something, and politicians saying, how dare you call the shelters a cancer? Calling these uh, centers that help some of the most uh, poor and vulnerable people a cancer, I find is disgraceful. If I was advising the, the, the guy behind the petition, I would tell them, okay, take that out, because you don't want to give them, you don't want to give the people that you're calling on a reason not to do something. And that's effectively what he did, not meaning to. But in using that word, you've got folks like uh, Dom Santaguita saying, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not calling them a cancer, but I'm saying there's a problem. And you've got the mayor and Peter Tilly saying, how dare you say it's a cancer? We do wonderful work. Yeah, they do do good work, but there's also a problem. People are frustrated. That's why they're using words like cancer. People are frustrated. That's why they're signing the petition. They don't see things getting better. Gloria in Ottawa. Gloria, you're on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. Oh, boy, you've got so many good topics, but um, I'm gonna, I'd like to talk about uh, the byword market there. You know, I, I tell you, it's time that uh, choo-choo train uh, and bicycle lanes, Watson, made, met with the, these business owners. I mean, they, they are... Uh, They've just about had it. They've been put, putting up with this for so for a good time now, and he, he needs to meet with them and listen to their legitimate concerns that that uh, both he and the counselors have been ignoring. I think for too long, and you know the thing is the businesses they are at ground zero. They know exactly what's going on. Watson he just pretends everything is rosy and 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 wonderful, and you know and and the conditions are getting worse. And collectively, these businesses, they have, uh, are starting to lose millions of dollars uh, uh, a year. And so something is drastically wrong here. And it's time that the, 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 the counselors and Watson started paying attention. And, and you know, I mean, this, this um, first of all, the, the, what is needed desperately, rather than these shooting galleries, is drug treatment centers need to be built. I mean, all these, these uh, shooting, uh, uh, shoot em up galleries is doing is condemning drug users to a life on drugs, is doing nothing else for, for them. And, and as, far as, uh, as far as these other places go, like the, um, 
uh, I forget the name of the three of them there the, collectively, but um, they are a, a temporary, temporary stopgap because all they do is supply a bed and they're out on the streets the, the next uh, morning from morning until night and they go back again. That is not a life for anybody. If they were really, really concerned, the drug see- uh, treatment centers would be built. Well, but, but drug treatment centers and a stopgap shelter, which we're always going to need, well, of course um, we do, but... It, 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 they're completely different, Gloria. They are completely different. I know that. And um, so there are two different problems. Unfortunately, uh, all the political capital and all the political oxygen has been sucked up by the likes of the opioid pre- uh, overdose prevention Ottawa that wanted to put up the illegal tents. Oh, and exactly. the city went along with them. And, but and, some some businesses say, hey, we're having a problem. Some no residents way. say we have a problem, oh, and yes. they're told that it's disgusting. But put illegal shooting galleries in a park, and you're fine. Do you, do you realize the only person still charged in any of that was Guy Annable? <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? They had to. Sh- they, they, it, it was just for show, is all it they, was. They brought, and it was mean and nasty, what they, what they did. They brought bylaw down yep. because Guy was spreading manure, mm-hmm. but they would not bring by law down close and to close to close, close them down place. It all was, right it was illegal and listen i just want to say that this word of cancer it was used as a metaphor because they right now businesses are so, so desperate their 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 uh, clientele is declining and that's all all it was it has nothing to do with people who are suffering from from cancer zero i mean they could have used a better word but that's the word they used and i think out of desperation and it's not what it should to be because of drug Drug users and drug dealers, and and uh, Watson and counselors, they they need to get out of their uh, city hall ivory tower and start taking the business <laughs> concerns seriously. Well, they they do, but uh, let's not call Ottawa City Hall an ivory tower. Uh, George is calling in about uh, the uh, the trade fight going on with India. George, you're on Beyond hey, the News. Chickpeas, you know what they are, eh? Garbanzo beans or chickpeas or whatever they're 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 trying uh, that India doesn't. Well, they charge a big tax on, right? Yep, sixty uh, percent tariff. Okay, they may have made a mistake, eh? Because if you check very close, closely, the global crop production and nearly every crop you can name is, is heading for serious problems. And I think over in uh, England, they're already having a chickpea shortage, aren't they? Well, if they are, we can sell them to them. We make because, lots because they use it to make hummus, don't they? Mm-hmm. So if you check there in, 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 in the latest data from England, I think they need chickpeas over there. And those chickpeas can be served to the people of Good Hope there in, in Ottawa for soup. I'll buy chickpeas for soup for, the, for them all. They, it's a fantastically wonderful uh, vegetable, yeah. very diverse. No, but the, the Indians made a big mistake because if the weather is bad as it, it applies in the future problems, and that means that India he, will need that product, and we may not sell it to them because of the big tariff. Here's what India says is the problem. They say Canada is too efficient. We can produce them so cheaply, and we sell them to them cheaply. And what they want to do is raise the prices so that the Indian farmer has a better living. Nobody so, is. But, but let, let me finish, George, because it, it relates to Trump. Trump says he wants to put a tariff on steel because he wants to uh, boost the prices – of steel so that American workers can have a better living. We're outraged at the tariff on steel 
And Trudeau says that the tariff on chickpeas is a domestic issue to help farmers raise their incomes. Yeah, but the trouble in India, they're having a water problem too, aren't they? In the one of the uh, main, what's the main wheat growing area there? Uh... That I, I I do not know. Well, anyway, I know South Africa. I can't keep track of the whole world. They've driven, they've driven their wells in certain terms in those places so deep now that it's going to get so expensive just to pump the water out. Unless they get water down there somehow in certain those places, mm. it's it's just, it's well, just going to have the, the the food production, and who are you going to get it from? These they're going to have to call Canada. We have no yeah, shortage of water. We no the water for the crops, so we just refuse to sell them the food, and they'd be going, well, we, you know, well, we sold the other people wanted it, you know. All right, thanks well, for the call, George. A big mistake. I I agree. I agree Bye. for sure. Let's go to. Uh, Elizabeth calling all the way from Toronto. We had Linda and the Hammer, Elizabeth in Toronto. <laughs> it's your lucky night, Brian. All right. You're, um, I, uh, it was actually, I think the, the lady, you made a comment to her, and I think it was the Linda girl that you're, you're talking about, and you said Doug Ford knew going in uh, about the, the issues. You're absolutely right. He did. Even before the, the campaign really got going, Doug had reservations about this whole process. And I think you got to give the guy some credit for actually having the foresight to see the problems that were going to manifest. And I'm nonpartisan right now, okay? You haven't made they're up your all, mind they're, yet? They're all having an issue with this issue. It's, it's not just one or the other. It's all of them. Okay, so I think it was a little bit unfair to make that comment against Doug because, yeah, he saw the problem before it even started. I, look, I, I'm, I'm fair to all the campaigns, uh, Elizabeth. Now that there is a problem, they should fix it. They should give yeah. these these people who are trying to vote for their candidate the opportunity. Elizabeth, is, mean- is your uh, computer or radio on behind you with the show on? No, it's not. Okay, I was hearing feedback there for a second. Let me just re- no. I said I would read this out. Christine Elliott's campaign did respond to what Doug Ford said about the voting problems. And, and what was her response? They said... We are surprised by the assertions of Mr. Ford. His representatives at the Leadership Election Organizing Committee have sat silently in our meetings for days, never bringing up such issues. Meanwhile, we pushed the party to extend the registration period to this Wednesday to ensure members receiving their registration pin late would still have time to register and vote. And the, the claim is that Doug has not been uh, raising a red flag on this. Is that that's what they're the, claiming the, that at le- so the 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 organizing committee is called LEOC, Leadership Election Organizing Committee. They say that his representatives, all the campaigns have representatives on that committee. They say they have sat silently in our meetings for days. Now I, I'll contact Michael Diamond. Um, you know, Please later do, on because, and say, that is not the case. what's what's the truth on this, Michael? Um, yeah, okay. Like I said, I, I know people in all the campaigns. It's why I was able to get them on all quick on the weekend when uh, when I got the audio of Christine Elliott saying maybe in the future about the carbon tax. I was able to get every campaign on within the afternoon to comment on it. And uh, it, it's because they know they trust me and I've got the contact. So I'll reach out. I'll find out what's going on and we'll talk about it again tomorrow night. That would be great. I'll listen in. All right. Thanks for the call, Elizabeth. You're welcome. All right. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Quick break, then back with more of your calls. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News.
This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. So what exactly is Doug Ford asking for in the Ontario PC leadership race? He's asking for online voting to be extended by a full week and also for paper ballots. If you haven't received your your registration number that allows you to go online and register to vote, how are they going to get you paper ballots or would you have to go to somewhere in your riding? And if so, how do you organize that in a week? I don't know. 521-TALK, 521-8255. I know lots of you are having problems. Michelle, you're on Beyond the News. Well, I'm going to stick up for Doug, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, this morning, when I got up, a member in the House still hadn't received. We had uploaded their, uh, their picture ID on Friday night, and we were waiting now to get the um, voters' uh, uh, online voting and uh, nothing was happening so I said you know what I have a bit of time here I'll give it a call before I head off for the day well while I was listening to Rob interview or speak with uh, Lowell this morning um, I heard Lowell say well help is a phone call away and I found it a bit rich because I'd been on hold at that point for 45 minutes and then I was disconnected and throughout the day, again, I tried calling, and you have the option, the computer voice comes on, the guy's voice, and gives you, you can try this. And all through the day, I tried different numbers to see, and eventually I was just cut off. It wasn't until later on, the day was almost over, and I tried again, and I got through to somebody finally after waiting for quite a while, and the person was very helpful, and they did confirm with me that the identification had been uploaded and that to give it three days or so before. Um, now, the reason I'm sticking up for Doug here is because during the whole ordeal, the only person that I can able to, to reach is Doug's camp. And I know when I send those people something, there's somebody there listening. I have given every other uh, candidate the same opportunity to respond. And all I get back from them is requests for money. There's never been one answer to anything I've sent to any of them, just everybody else is bad, I'm the best, give me your money. Doug's people will get back to you and answer the question that you put to them. And so for Mr. Ford to stand on TV tonight, and I have other friends too who are having similar problems, I look at him and I say, there's a guy who's who's running interference right now and he's waving the flag saying, listen, I'm hearing from a lot of people, they're not able to get through. We seem to be having a snag here that's going to present a problem. If you if you plan on counting votes on Saturday and not everybody's been able to vote, it's not fair and it's not right. So let's look after the details now. How can well, you not be impressed with a leader like that? Well, I, I'm not taking sides in the race at all. I'm just saying that part of my concern is that Doug is raising this alarm bell because he's worried he's that Christine is either A, nipping at his heels, or passing him. Well, I see it and, the other way around, but anyway. So, but, but I'll look into it more, and uh, Michael Diamond, his campaign manager, was just calling me while, while you were talking, so I had to send that to voicemail. But uh, I'll look into this, and we'll talk about it again tomorrow night. Thanks for the call, Michelle. No problem. Thank right. you. Guy, the Capital Voice, you're having problems as well. 
Uh, yes, Brian, if you give me some runway on this, I'll just give you a little bit of background. Got about two minutes, because that's okay. all the time we got. Go. On February the 16th, I received an important leadership information letter from the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party addressed to my home address on Richardson Side Road. They addressed it to me and sent it to me in the mail. I received it and entered the uh, verification code as required and uploaded my two pieces of information. I had to reset my code because it didn't get first accepted. I won't go into all that, but I've been on the uh, phone last week. And I was received a message on Saturday afternoon that my verification could not, my membership could not be verified. So I received an, an email back. Now, a couple of things, Brian. All of these candidates have been soliciting me via robocalls, via emails, and via voice town halls. They bought the lists from the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party. So I asked you the simple question, Brian. How can a party that sends me a letter that I send back a Service Ontario proof of address and my driver's license then send me a message that they can't verify my membership when it's their list that sent me the letter? That I can't tell you. Like I said, I I will look into this. I have a theory, Brian. I have Mm -hmm. a number of robocalls. Numbers stored on my phone. I have provided them to the Ford campaign. There is a number of cohorts in Markham, Ontario, and Richmond Hill, and other people on Facebook that have not even received their letters yet. So I ask another question. If these people haven't received their even verification letter that I received mailed out February the 16th, and I still can't, after a week, get my ballot because... They can't verify a letter that they sent me, which is just totally absurd. If they don't extend the period of voting for a week, I cry foul on this whole thing because right now I can't even vote for a party that sent me a letter with a code that I entered in. And I have another final point, Brian. My mother is in a retirement home. She does not have Internet access. How many people in retirement homes are progressive conservatives? that are voting that maybe didn't get their letter or can't do this. So I do agree with Cindy as well, is that there has to be a rethink of the time that this takes place. And I, I don't even want to get into Jim Watson and comments tonight, but, right. but well, there's a serious We're out of time anyway, Guy. There's a serious problem here, Brian, and I'm with Doug Ford, and I think you're going to hear a little bit more about this in the coming days as the clock ticks. All right, thanks for the call. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. Sorry for anyone that didn't get on the line tonight. Um, As often happens, people call late, but uh, we will be back at it again tomorrow. I will make the calls. I'll report back to you tomorrow, and we'll have a great conversation. Thanks for listening tonight. As always, remember, I'm on your side.